Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Morningstar. Hi, Ben. Hello, Travis. How you doing? Pretty good. I'm, I wish I were in... Uh... Tulsa right now, sitting, yeah? sitting on the uh, <laughs> the rooftop of El Guapo's, Ooh! right right there on East First Street, witnessing that's the, the only restaurant you know in Tulsa. You only, mentioned it four times. Yes, now. I love El Guapo's. Uh, go check out the the chips; they have great check chips. Check out the chips. It's I've right said that around before. the corner from the the Tulsa Greyhound station, and it has a great <laughs> view of a parking garage and, of course, the BOK uh, Convention Center where yep. Trump will be holding a rally. This evening, I've in always Tulsa. said uh, every restaurant that's good is near a bus station. Yes. I've said it before. I'll say it again. That's right. Donald Trump is giving his first, we'll call it a pep rally. Uh, he is performing in front of his adoring fans. I think around twenty thousand to forty thousand. They're estimating in the midst of a pandemic. Of course, there no one's going to wear a mask because. Masks are for pussies, right. Travis. We all know that. So Donald- str- it's a strange thing to to have a rally, uh, you know, a nineteen thousand seat rally mm. at a convention center, and then encourage masks, but then basically just give everyone like an anal, a rectal thermometer before they yeah, go inside. Why not? Got to have a little fun with it. So that's happening. Donald Trump is out. He's campaigning. This is the first campaign stop. Obviously, this is something that he's been wanting to do for a long time. This is where theoretically in Trump verse he thrives. He loves to be in front of the crowd. He loves to rally up the troops, rally up the uh, the yells from the crowd. It's going to be a verbal battle, no doubt, probably not making a lot of sense in many ways and people will be spitting all over each other's heads and hopefully we don't have a huge uptick in covid in tulsa although tulsa has already seen a 100 percent increase uh, since this week has begun and of course trump his administration six people in his administration yes. again he's got an administration that is that is ross perot levels of thin it is like he is uh, a man in hospice has more meat on his bones than Donald Trump's administration. So six people getting sick in Trump verse. 
That's a big percentage of folks. Immediately disqualified from the mouth spitting competition <laughs> oh, that will be held it. later on well, speaking, in the evening. Speaking of, uh, well, I don't know if that's a good segue. <laughs> speaking of mouth spitting, I was trying to do that more in a verbal sense. But anyway, we are with a great friend of mine and a wonderful journalist. She has a new article out right now. It's called Gathering Acorns in Quarantine. You got to do something with your time. Brooke Rogers is here. Thank you so much for being on the show, Brooke. It's been too long. Thank you for having me, Ben. Yes. I'll try to not spit as much so that you don't associate that in, in your mind I don't with me. know what I'm talking about half the time <laughs> anymore. It's hot outside. My brain is melting. I feel like the uh, I'm, I'm the fried egg in the war on drugs commercial. Who doesn't like fried eggs, you know? Absolutely. I totally think. I, I, I think they're wonderful. All right. So we have a lot to get to today. The Supreme Court has ruled on DACA. Sounds good. They protected DACA for now. However, if you actually look into what their assessment was, what their decision was, it is a bit of a surprise given it's a conservative court. Right. Uh, Gorsuch going against Donald Trump. Gorsuch sort of challenging his or channeling his Warren Burger vibes by being appointed uh, on the conservative side of the aisle. Of course, theoretically, Supreme Court justices are supposed to be bipartisan, but I don't think that really happens. Right. But nonetheless, Gorsuch has gone away from traditional conservative norms a bit, proving that he is a little bit more independent on the court, saying that, that, saying that the Trump administration did not go about it the right way when doing away with DACA. They right. had a problem with the paperwork, not so much the conclusion. So that is why I'm slightly concerned that we've taken one step forward, but that foot could easily come right back. Yeah, it's not as if it's not as if these conservative justices have suddenly Grinch style grown their heart ten sizes. They you, just they appreciate a good stack of like bureau, bureaucratic documents. They honestly they were just like, oh, you didn't give the you didn't give the kick the people that you'd be kicking out of the country like a consolation prize. You didn't wear the right shoes when kicking them. Yeah, that's exactly, basically kind of, what yeah, they said. Yeah. They're just like, I don't care. You yes, you can say dreamers, you're dead to me, like Mister Wonderful. You can kick them out of the Shark Tank and hope. Hopefully they'll get eaten alive in the ocean, but you got to do it the right way. And that really is what the Supreme Court decision. Again, this is all layman's terms. Sure, I yeah, ain't no yeah, lawyer, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that is um, basically what it is, is more of a um, it's more of a, uh, uh, you know, it's it's, it's, it's clerical. It's more of a clerical issue. Yes. They objected to the vehicle with which yes. the case was brought, not necessarily the argument itself. It was it was um, the idea of, you know, sending sending DACA kids out back to their home countries was is not necessarily something that they are against. It's that they don't approve of the way that the administration was doing it. Because, of course, Donald Trump just did this through executive order as he has done everything because he has no idea how to actually legislate. He has no idea how to actually lead. He has no idea how to go through Congress to get anything done because the man has no competency when it comes to actual politics right so yeah. that is why the supreme court is like you can't just wave a pen around and assume that this program that's protecting eight hundred thousand americans yeah. can be done away with okay, so sorry. that's all they were saying and in a way it's like the the conservative justices are, justices are saying trump just be more competent about the ways in which you are evil don't you need to like up your game about hitting all the, yep. the check boxes and then we can work together and lock you know in lock step. Do, it easy for us. Yes. do it legally do it legally exactly i but said home countries i want to i want to say uh, not home countries because they are americans they were born here they right, are americans right, right. people who are or they were brought here by their parents at a right, very young of course. age so they are americans 
they, it's the, the idea is like they want to send them back to the countries that, that their parents theoretically they, yeah. so yeah. the the DACA decision I think was decided on this past Thursday but then on this past Monday they dis- the Supreme Court decided on a LGBT work discrimination yes. case of uh, course this was on we talked about this last week um, trans rights were being stripped away from by Donald Trump and the Trump administration. So thankfully, we have the stopgap that is the Supreme Court, where theoretically those people have not total political bias yes. in the way that they judge. So yes, Travis, you can tell us a little bit about what happened with this decision when it comes to well, work so discrimination. That was a surprising decision because we didn't think that this, the uh, conservative justices would, or a majority would fall yep. with the, the liberal majority. Um, but you had uh, Gorsuch and you had Roberts uh, six to three falling on the side of the liberals and saying, "Look, uh, it's it's discriminatory to fire." Uh, Their the reasoning was interesting because it was like this perspective that it, I hadn't thought of before in terms of like legalese. Mm-hmm. The, their reasoning in the um, in the deciding the in the decision was so. Say you have a man in the workplace and a woman in the workplace. Both are attracted to men, and you fire the man for being attracted to men. That's a sex-based That's decision. a sex-based discriminatory right, act. Right, right. And Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 specifically prevents that from taking place. And so it's this kind of like... Which is how long we've been dealing with this. Yeah. It's, it's actually, insane. It's a really weird highlight of um, Gorsuch's the, the, the textualism versus originalism article or, mm-hmm. um, argument, which is basically originalism is the spirit of the law, right? Yes. What they would have intended when the law was written. And textualism is how the law is actually written, the wording yes. of the law, the letter of the law. And so a lot of people, a lot of conservatives were angry with Gorsuch because they felt betrayed because yes, he was a Trump course. appointee and they think that he should do whatever Trump Republicans think he should do. Mm-hmm. But it actually is in line with a lot of decisions he's made in the past, which is this is the way the law is written and that's the way that we're going to decide. Yeah, that is case. why when it comes to Neil Gorsuch, you did not see nearly the pushback as we saw with Kavanaugh, whatever you want to think about that situation. There was a lot more political pushback on Kavanaugh as well, yes. not just the Blasey Ford situation. Gorsuch, much more in the in line with Merrick Garland. Yeah. Uh, Merrick Garland, of course, was the Obama appointee that Mitch never took a vote on because he is nothing but a uh, obstructionist when it comes to his job in the Senate. Gorsuch is somebody who I think was considered to be more reasonable. Right. Uh, right. He had bipartisan support. But as we're seeing, and I'll throw this up for conversation, with Kavanaugh, <laughs> I think Kavanaugh's still pissed off. And Absolutely. I don't think Kavanaugh, is, I think Kavanaugh is going to end up maybe the most conservative Supreme he, Court justice in the history of justice. He is doing the job that he was hired to do. And yeah. he, he, you know, he wrote his dissenting opinion doing a keg stand. Like, yes, so he's, he did. He's fully on brand. Doing a devil's triangle. Doing the devil's triangle, right? And then, uh, but yeah, Kavanaugh is doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Um, Roberts is, I think Roberts always, in in terms of his decision so far, it's like he, does, he plays the long game when it comes to uh, conservative laws going into effect. Yes, and then uh, Alito. Alito is just hilarious to watch throughout all these through these past two decisions with with DACA and with the LGBT uh, work discrimination mm-hmm. thing because he is he is going through meltdown May. It's June, but Alito <laughs> is going through meltdown May right now. Because he wrote a 100-page dissent. Yeah, uh, and he wrote some a of tome. it. Inc- some of it included all caps 
and all like bold letters he he fucking let loose in that he crashed thing. the wow. supreme court site oh, his yeah. descent crashed it because he had screenshots that they didn't compress before they uploaded so his descent included oh screenshots of previous decisions and when they tried to upload it to the site it was like it, the files were too big and he could really <laughs> the, the rantings site. of a madman who also doesn't know how to use a computer <laughs> Just, just boomer tastic at every and level. His whole thing was, Ugh. you know, um, opposite reading the text as it, you know, sort of as it is, as as you would read just any text. He he spoke from the idea of like that's not what they meant right. in Title Seven of the the Civil Rights Act. They meant something completely different. They didn't yeah. think about gay or transgender people. These people didn't exist in the minds of the people who wrote that uh, Civil Rights Act. Which is so, so who cares about yeah, them Yeah, but who then? cares, right? Did gay people not exist right, in like no, 1964? Well, no, no, they were, the, the first gay was born 1976 yes. when Jimmy Carter became president. <laughs> exactly. Liberace was the first yes, gay. Yes, indeed, supposedly. of course. Yes. Supposedly. Big but yeah, so he, his reading of it was like, come on, like, these people didn't actually care about gay people like me. Like they, they, just they, like me. You should read, you should read this yeah. as the way I would have read it. They which call is me like a, a throwback. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I so those two Supreme Court decisions, the DACA one seem the DACA one is good. Yes, uh, I don't know if Trump will have a chance to appoint another Supreme Court justice. That will be up to all of us in November. Right now, the polling data shows that Joe Biden is up by a few points, but I'm already getting my spider sense tingle. Do not get cocky. I was watching MSNBC, and they're like, <laughs> look at Joe Biden. He's 46 to 44 in Wisconsin. And I'm like, we're not doing this again, okay? Yeah. I need to see over 50% in every single swing state. But I would almost prefer if they never show us any... The polls are tied. Yeah. yeah. So, you know... Pokemon go to the polls yeah, exactly. in and mean, November. Meanwhile, there's like footage of Joe Biden on MSNBC, uh, MSNBC talking to like a 70 year old couple saying like, "Here's how to make a here's how to make a, a new marriage work." Like he's completely <laughs> well, kind of he's he's a regular. Did <laughs> you see this? Pat Roberts. Where he was the one. He, he, was, he was like a. Hey, young man, kid over here. And it's like a literal <laughs> dying man. Well, and he's like, here's how to make a word. You marry into a family where the wife has five sisters. And then, you never and then know. the guy's like, oh, really? Uh, let me put on my, hold on, I got to, my glaucoma's acting up. And he's like, the reason why you uh, marry marry into a, uh, with a wife that has five sisters is because if that wife hates you, you got five of those to choose well, from. That's seriously something he's he seriously said. said. like, one well, will always love you. One and will always Jill Biden because, has like four sisters. Well, because you know, Bo, his son who passed away with brain cancer, oh, yeah. no. his brother married Bo's yes. wife. Not, but that's hot goss and whatever. As conceptual, yeah, I hope, I hope that they're fine and whatever. They, they bonded. Uh, I but don't know. Yeah. In, in because I must put on my Joe Biden defense hat every now and again. The way that he that handled ugly. That, that hat is like well, it is what it is, right? Just dusting um, it off. The way he went and met with George Floyd's family, the way he handled that situation. Yeah. Night and freaking day. Right, of course. So he handled that situation. I thought that was actually a political win for him. Didn't get that much press, but he was not just in the bunker. He got out of his bunker and he went and he met with the family. And I thought that that was a really good example of the difference between he and Donald Trump. Of course, Donald Trump tweeting from the toilet uh, a whole bunch of inflammatory things. Attempting to start a race war. And of course... um, destroying our First Amendment rights so he could go have a photo up by holding the Bible upside down. Of course. Um, So we also want to talk about uh, do armed security guards actually prevent violence in schools? We have some data on this now because we have a 20-year sample 
of armed security guards in schools. Travis, turns out okay. they don't do shit. Right, yeah. They don't do anything. This is according to an article uh, here from The Trace, and it goes back to 2016. So it talks about uh, what were these guards doing in 2014 to 2016. Just a few statistics here that I thought were relatively interesting. Um, of course, uh, in the four high, this is actually 2018, I apologize. In four high profile 2018 school shootings, by the way, that's four of them. Right. Those are the high-profile ones. Yeah, yeah. You got your B-team shooters. Maybe you kill one. But we're talking high-profile school shootings. Um, attackers stormed the campuses despite the presence of armed guards. In all four cases, guards failed to stop the gunmen from killing. So what are these guards actually doing? Well, it turns out they're mostly policing the students that are just trying to get an education. This was a paper that was published in 2013 for the Justice Quarterly. You know I always get the Justice Quarterly. That's that's delivered right after my penthouse, my playboy, yeah, my playgirl. And, uh, you know, I always I'd love to read it. It's light reading. I, yeah, I, yeah. I look you, at it for the pictures. You read it for the articles, right? That's I read the it only for the one, pictures, the actually. <laughs> that's, that's the thing about the Justice Quarterly. They have some hot pictures of the judicial judges and uh, woo! Well, the swimsuit issue of Justice Monthly really gets it's, me steamed. <laughs> it's powerful. So they found an investigation from, uh, so basically that article was just talking about how the increased security or so-called air quote security has done nothing. And most of what they do is to enforce nonviolent or bring force against nonviolent students. So this is from January 2000. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at sure. you here, but January 2016 to September of 2018, this was an investigation done by the Huffington Post. Uh, police, and of course, Huffington Post, I'm sure someone just gawfed and whatever, but take this information. Police uh, in schools had pepper sprayed students at least 32 times, body slammed, tackled, and choked students at least 15 times, and that was all that they did. No prevention of violence whatsoever. So we talk about criminal justice reform right now, and we're talking about police brutality. And I think this is one of the areas in which we should also express concern and we should see change. Students should not feel as if they're in prison when they're trying to get an education. It greatly hinders their experience. It does not prevent mass shootings. You look at the Parkland uh, shooting yeah, recently, and of the that. guard just ran yeah, away. Yeah, he ran away with like a bag of Subway food. Yeah, like, he was just like, no, I got to get early lunch. The That's armed, great. Yeah. The armed police officer on the Douglas campus never encountered Nicholas Cruz. He just he just fled, yeah. And, and legislation it, was actually passed after Parkland in Florida that stated that, people, that there had to be armed guards at every public public school. Yeah, because more guns was the answer as always. Although right. Florida did make some pro positive changes. But the, you said, as you pointed out, there are many uh, drawbacks to having armed police officers at schools. And actually, um, there have been studies done that have shown that uh, in Texas between, I think, 1998 and 2008, there was a study done where they um, tracked the graduation rates at Texas schools mm -hmm. where their federal grants have been used to put armed police officers at the schools. Graduation rates went down. Um, there was also a study done that showed how um, uh, an increased police presence in certain neighborhoods in New York City affected the students of, like the high school students of that 
community mm-hmm. and almost always increased police presence meant that black males um, had a harder time passing tests and they had a hard time focusing in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. an, an interesting that didn't affect um, Hispanic students or uh, black girls, but it, it affected black male students, especially right. as they got older. And you can see if um, they are specifically the focus of increased police presence, it is going to affect their education. So yeah. we can see over and over again, obviously correlation is not always is not always causation, but study after study show that the more police that are around, the more it kind of, um, th- th- that that presence actually detracts from their ability to absolutely. It must, it must, educate com- themselves. It must absolutely rattle the nerves to know yeah. that there is an armed gunman outside the door, like, let alone just like failing the test. Like, what happens if I fail the test? Does that guy come in here and uh, just start popping me in the head? I don't right. know. I mean, there, right. in a real in a real way, though. Like, just thinking about these peaceful protests. Yeah. The the very presence of of armed police officers uh, in the midst of such it peace, almost always escalates. It almost always violence, escalates yeah. it, and it, it I I can't imagine being yeah just like having the normal pressure of getting a boner in class and like having to go to the chalkboard <laughs> and then knowing that there's a man who could end my life if that boner offends well and as we talked about last week and uh, thank i forget the name of the listener that sent the graph but we've seen this massive increase in police funding and our violent crime rates have gone up 0.2 percent over the past what was this 40 50 years right since the so 70s so that was 73 i think that chart begins and then it ends in 2017 so it also hasn't shown that an increased police presence on the streets have a positive effect when it comes to uh, decreasing crime rates i would argue that it probably increases crime rates because these officers have a job to do and unfortunately uh, that job entails a quota system yeah. uh, which is devastating to a lot of these people i think people. this this point has been made a lot in the past couple of weeks, you have so many cops with so much weapons, so with so much weaponry and so much like I guess tactical training, I suppose. And then you have them what responding to like a homeless person vomiting on the street. What are yeah. they supposed right. to do with that? This they is don't a, have training for that. They don't have training for that. So they everything becomes. When you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And when the yeah. only tool you have is punitive, every problem, there's, there are no solutions except for a punitive solution. Absolutely. Tell the hammer me more down. about that punitive solution. Yeah. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, This is according to a Giffords study. Uh, Giffords talks about schools and violence, and uh, this is something that they have focused on for a long time. Uh, They found that police have mishandled guns or allowed students to get their hands on their weapons around 60 times. The National Association of School Psychologists 
have argued exactly what Brooke was just saying, uh, that uh, armed guards increased student fear rather than making them feel safer. This is according uh, to a spokesperson for that group. Uh, He says it creates a mindset of fear. So this is one of the areas that I think we can try to address in the grander conversation that we're having about the militarization of police. Obviously, the we have the school to prison pipeline and the school like to prison pipeline. You... Great point. Um, and of course, we're not even touching yet on prison reform and bail reform. We haven't even gotten there yet uh, in these few weeks. I mean, we've been talking about criminal justice reform for a decade, but uh, this is one of the areas that I haven't really seen mainstream coverage on. Yeah. And this is something that affects all of our children's lives. I don't got no kids, but this affects our children. And I really think. As we see more and more violence in younger and younger ages, I mean, you look at uh, you you look at uh, Sandy Hook. I mean, my God, we're talking about eight year olds here. There's armed security guards in middle schools now. It's yeah. like before, and this is just I'm oh I'm old, yeah. But I remember 1999, 420, 1999. I was getting stoned. Uh, that was the that was Columbine. Yes. After Columbine. This stuff really changed rapidly, and we've just seen an acceleration of these programs. Schools are getting more funding, but it's not going to education. That's why we spend more per child than any other country, and we have horrible, horrible standards when it comes to our education. I I went to a high school where every day you entered, and you had to go through a metal detector. You're guilty. You had to get checked for a gun or a weapon. And, you know, there's, there's some weird psychological thing that I'm thinking of where... Have you ever done that thing where you walk through a doorway and you suddenly forget what you were going into that room for? Yeah. Sure. There is some kind of like walking through a portal and having your whole like mind reset by something like a by, by a walkway. So walking through a metal detector that is the sole purpose is to like find the weapons you have hidden yeah. on you sets the tone for the day and it is not yeah. a tone of learning or broadening right. your horizons or right. making friends. It's it's a very grim gunmetal gray day that you've set yeah. for yourself. Right. Right. It's about the yeah. environment that we and the expectations that we're setting for those kids. Exactly. When we yeah. have uh, armed police officers and we have you know scanners and they're searching your bags. I remember actually uh, I had a very very small taste of that because I took my ACTs in Brooklyn. I moved to New York when I was a teenager and mm-hmm. I hadn't taken my ACTs yet. So I ended up going to this school in Bed Stuy to uh, to take my ACTs and we walked. We were we got put in this line and we just got shuffled through metal detectors and then they, they took all they like you know pat us down they took all of our stuff out and this could have been just because it was an act day right, or whatever right. but yeah. i remember thinking at the time this is like how does this get you ready for a day of learning how does this like it's dehumanizing yeah. all it does is tell you that like we don't trust you we expect you to be on your worst behavior so we're going to treat you like that and then like what is usually when you're a kid how is that supposed to tell you that like you're we we, we are rooting for you yeah absolutely. absolutely you're not getting a high five or you're not, you know an owl with a uh, a graduation cap on isn't saying like right uh, we expect you uh, to learning be, is a hoot or something we expect <laughs> you to be a delinquent <laughs> and we're going to treat you like a delinquent yeah, and exactly. then we're going to be surprised is learning is a hoot when you act uh, out this is according yeah. to a criminal a criminologist group at the texas state university it's called alert a-l-e-r-r-t uh they studied uh, 160 incidents where guns were brought into a school and, and violence occurred. Lethal force from police or bystanders is brought to an end less than a third of active shooters. In the 25 shootings uh, in the alert study that targeted schools, none were brought to uh, an end by armed staff, guards, or police. 
These shootings were commonly ended when the shooters were restrained by unarmed staff. So the data does not support having guns in schools. Uh, and I really wish we could have a conversation that isn't so basic and so dumb when it comes to Parkland occurring and then the conversation switches to arming teachers. Yeah. As opposed to what we all know. This is the whole thing we've been talking about with this sort of like, not to be cliche with the 1984 stuff, but like just the uh, like, for example, like the alone together ad game, yeah, yeah, which yeah, drives yeah. me insane yeah. because I am alone. I'm alone alone. I got my dogs and I am not together with anyone. So just stop. Like, you know, it's like, how are they? We're looking at something that is so obvious. And then the solution is so such an obvious sidestep to solving the problem right. for political gain. And it really is. It's just ultimately extremely frustrating. Well, and then what we've already talked about this, but the, instead of, you know, taking another route altogether, they lean into it with the 1033 program where schools like police police officers quote unquote on school campuses are allowed to use insane equipment like yes flamethrowers i guess if they wanted well to. we read this headline last week brooke uh in la the police de- uh, the school mm. department has said that they will give up their grenade launchers, grenade launchers but they will keep yeah. their we'll keep tank. The, the armored <laughs> vehicles and their like uh sniper uh, rifles well, yeah i mean God. this this 1033 program i just actually uh there was this video that kind of went viral because in Moundsville, West Virginia. Yes. Ooh, which Moundsville. Nothing Moundsville. more nothing more exciting than turning up in a town and be like, what are we going to call it? Moundsville. Yes. There was this re- local reporter, which like, God bless her, she did not ask for this today. But like, she's like <laughs> filming. There's this there's this actual like tank thing. It's, act- it's a tactical vehicle, quote unquote tactical uh-huh. vehicle. It's being rolled out and she just tweets it and she's like, how did the local police, um, the local police department get this? tactical vehicle for free i'll tell you about it later it turns out oh, no. how they got this for free was the 1033 program which is the federal program yes, that puts yes. the the pentagon puts military grade weapons in the hands of like you know which? barney fife's yeah. you have no idea how to like they, they yeah, carry the their one bullet in their, get, their pocket and yeah. suddenly they have a tank and it's which like the obama administration did halt and of course trump immediately Re, reinvigorated. It's just it's it's this idea that that, that it's so the Moundsville Police Department. By the way, nineteen cops. Um, it's a, it's eight thousand people in this city. Oh my god. Um, they had two hundred and twenty nine reported crimes in two thousand eighteen, and two hundred and twelve of them are property crimes. They had seventeen violent crimes. So the a, a city where the majority it's a tiny population, right? Right. So it's it's like one neighborhood in Brooklyn, and the majority of crimes are property crimes. Why do they need? It's the the vehicle they got was something like it was a mine resistant ambush protection vehicle and it's like where, where are you driving over mines like wh- like why do you need a, a, a tactical yeah, maybe you can drive it on the beach and try to get coins <laughs> yeah it's it sucks up mines and then shoots them into the faces of people who don't mow their lawns it's all See? property there crimes right yeah. like, yeah. it's like a theft homeowner association <laughs> crimes and it's and the uh the the officer, the the chief of the police department, when asked like, "What are you going to do with this?" He's like, "Oh, various things. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to masturbate inside of it, outside of it. I'm going to look at it. It, it. it really is fetishized, though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. every, I mean, Georgia, where I went to high school, where all these metal detectors were in every school. I mean, you go to any small town and they have like a Camaro that shoots flames out of the out of like the this the weed. The uh, the windshield wiper fluid area like, of the wh- car. Why are we Why are we rolling tanks and grenade launchers into Mayberry? Like, why do these small towns that nothing is happening and need military grade weapons? It doesn't make any sense. I think it's the same yeah. reason why cops have adopted the Punisher logo. You know, like yeah. it is. It is a, a. It is they're filling that that 
role. Yeah, they're, was, they're, yeah. They're, they're expected to be these punishers. I was walking down the street and I saw the American flag next to the black and blue cop flag. Yes. The fact that people aren't line. upset about that, like that is so much worse than kneeling in protest of police brutality, wanting a better America. It is so offensive to me to just, they just redid the flag. Yes. And we're supposed to be like, Thank you. You can't just rebrand the made, country. You're you made, not allowed to do that. You made the flag of the police state? Like, yeah, exactly. You, you literally Seriously. made the flag of a police state? You can't do that, right? No, no they can't. I don't know what horror like author is or practicing horror author is creating this stuff for the cops. But you cannot script. If this stuff was a John Carpenter movie, Escape from America, Escape from L.A., Escape from New York, just get out of America altogether. You this you would be like, no, this is a really fun action movie. Where's Roddy Roddy Piper? But it's just real. Well, and it's less it's it's less salacious and less entertaining than that because it's these people who, you know, I'm not saying anything new. It's like it's the people who uh, got like really bad SAT scores and never went to college and find themselves grasping for power in a small community, and then they find themselves. In a treasure trove of weapons yeah. and vehicles made for like the like GI Joe, and of course, you know, just to clarify, we do understand. You know, we do a true crime show. Crime is real. Crime does happen. But the point that we're trying to make here is this excess in policing, this excess in military grade equipment, has not decreased crime. It's not working. That's I, the problem. Yeah. Police so forces it, are not the army, and they shouldn't be treated as the exactly. army. Exactly. If we just had one dog, the bounty hunter per town. That's I almost think that might suffice. Sure. I think you give him you give him like a jetpack and You want the rocketeer. We want the rocket yeah, okay. I want the rocketeer with a mullet though. <laughs> um, because I I think it if you have all that equipment and you have one guy that we say, Hey, that's the guy that's gonna protect us. Sure. Right. Maybe that maybe that's the one and then of course he turns evil and we have to stop him. But Well naturally. Yeah, that's well, the that, end of the that's, that that's the end of the comic. Anyway, Brooke, I apologize. You were saying Oh I'm sorry. There, I was reading this article about um the demilitarization of police and, and why I think it was a Jacobin article, I can't remember exactly the title of it, but she was talking this, this author was talking about how um we a, a huge percentage of our police force I think like 20% is actually veterans and because um, the so like you know during Vietnam veterans who came over they could distinguish between the place where they just were yes. in the jungle right. and and the and the urban layout where they were there now but we, so they could back in Vietnam because it was such a different battlefield when they got right. to the states they were like oh I'm no longer at war I mean they still had PTSD and all of that of but they had a different like they were able to distinguish between the the two different fields of battle whatever you want to put however you want to put that right but now they have you have people coming back from Iraq coming back from Afghanistan, people who are, you know, severely traumatized and then they are there's kind of they're kind of funneled into the police force. Well, that's a great point about urban warfare. Right. And that is something that I didn't even think about. I would imagine it would be difficult to flip your brain. I was mm -hmm. talking with someone who was a soldier and um, he was saying that New York is very triggering for him yeah. because he just every time he walks, as a matter of fact, maybe it was my friend Simon or Bobby's friend. And he just said he can't be in New York uh, because the buildings trigger him. Because well, especially now since they're shooting off like 
Fireworks, fireworks every I saw Juneteenth. I was at a fireworks show yesterday for Juneteenth. Hello, Hello. Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, it did not end slavery, but uh, it tried. That's the point of Juneteenth, yeah. <laughs> I know, but everyone's like, it's the day the slavery was ended. And it's like, well, all right. For Texas. That's, that's up for, for debate. Texas. I learned about Juneteenth from an episode of Atlanta. That's See? how uh, That's how with a it great I show. am. That's how yeah, white truly. people are supposed to learn things. Of course, Donnie... Uh, uh, Donald Glover. Glover, a great guy, wonderful man. I loved those fireworks yesterday. I love. No, them. no, I. It's like you don't like the fireworks because you're being a negative. It's Nancy. like being in, like Iraq in 2003 or something. Yeah, but it's, it's fireworks. Like, it's not real guns. Listen, any other any other point, I would probably like them. Right now, when I'm literally like after the <laughs> after the protests and all the clashes between yeah. like police, uh, all the police on citizen violence, I'm like, I don't want to hear that right well, now. It sounds like gunshots. I'm getting very sleep deprived, and I'm starting to almost believe like, is this from? <laughs> I'm getting conspiratorial. I'm like, is this actually from people, or is this from like, is this like a sound cannon type? Uh, d- d- oh, it's it from people. Is it, is it made is it to make me go stage? crazy? No, is it, it is because it's happening in large metropolitan areas all across the LA, country right now. It's happening. I think Philly, it's yeah. Chicago, all through the night. Who is this like coordinated? I, you I gotta have a, fun with it. I thought it was a I protest thing at first, it and then be. I was like, to no, "This it's past, not. this it was like four in the morning. They were still shooting fireworks. I was like, this can't be happening, right? This, this who is having this much fun at four in the morning? I was shooting having fun yesterday. Fu- Roman I've, candles. I saw a lot of great fireworks yesterday, and I had a great time. And I, I had a little, I had a sparkler, and Aww, I sparkled cute. with it, and I was like, I got a sparkler. And I freaked out, and I loved it. So I'm team firework. Although he's fine after midnight, lay off the fireworks. Well, but look, Travis to, has to sleep. No, I, had to, I hate to bum you out, but it's causing a lot of dogs to have like PTSD. I know that's why I didn't you like Occupy Wall the Street. Dogs. I didn't like Occupy Wall Street because they scared my Chihuahua Gidget. Why and did you walk your dog through Zuccotti Park every day? <laughs> because I was working at, on Wall Street. That's where the dog lived, and I had to go Out to Out of my Gidget. way, hippies. I have a, I have a French Well, they poodle. scared my no chihuahua. Sorry. Gidget was a chihuahua, and Lily was a Maltese, and I was walking both of them. And then there was a huge march down the street, and I said, I don't disagree with all of the message, but you're scaring my dogs. And then from there, I did not like them anymore. For the love Aww. of God, think of Gidget. Think of, think of Gidget. Seriously, if you're doing something that scares a Chihuahua, maybe you need to rethink what you're doing. I think everything scares a yeah, Chihuahua. Yeah, I think right? life no, scares nothing, a Chihuahua. No, nothing scares a Chihuahua. That's the whole point. The Chihuahua. You didn't know. Do you, have you not seen Beverly Hills Ninja Two? Uh, or no, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Beverly Hills Chihuahua Two. I have seen Beverly Hills Chihuahua probably more times than I need to I've because, because of you. I've only seen because the, uh, the sequel. Yeah, the Beverly Hills Chihuahua Beverly Hills two. Chihuahua Two. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, That's yeah. the Chihuahua Warrior narrative. Beverly Hills Chihuahua One. It's a little too fluffy. Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, you're really getting into the Chihuahua Warrior. I think into, like, by the, the third time you made me watch it, I liked it. But I think, <laughs> I, was just brain, I, think I was brainwashed at that point. It's funny because well. I, can, I can never tell if uh, Ben is serious about these uh, these these tangents. <laughs> no, so, oh, 100%. He's got the DVD box set of uh, uh, the Chihuahua Warrior. I'll watch it right now. <laughs> yeah. I'll end this show right now. We can watch the damn thing. Um, all right. So that is just a little bit of further conversation on policing, focusing more on schools. I say we get rid of the guns in schools, get rid of armed guards, get therapists in schools. We need more What of about those. that? More school counselors. My friend is a school counselor out in, uh, his name is Josh, great guy out in uh, Colorado, out in Denver. I was just speaking with him. Counselors, that is the most needed person, group of people in schools Start funding our teachers. Stop funding our guards. Teachers are still buying their own damn pencils and markers and crayons and and, and, and chalk. 
give our teachers a living wage and make them feel as if yeah. let them do their damn jobs. Yeah. You know, that's it. So anyway, that's just, I, I think, an important conversation that we will continue to have. And, uh, and perhaps next week we'll kind of delve a little bit deeper into the prison problem. And I've been watching this guy named Larry Lawton on YouTube. Okay. Extremely interesting. Former, Sounds like a magician. No? He kind of is a magician in the sense that he was a jewel thief who oh, cool. um, made a lot of jewels disappear. Inevitably, of course, got caught. Up he, the butt. Yeah, yeah, a lot. The purse. Yes, I guess of, right. No, he did not put the jewels up the butt. Oh. But of course, in prison, that's uh, you know, that's that's where that's how you carry stuff. That's much more depressing he than got, I thought. Yeah, he definitely got bejeweled. And- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. But he has some amazing stories, and ba- the overarching theme is about uh, you know prison reform and just we have to be we have to be humane because yeah. we we were you're judged by how you treat the the lowest people in your in your society. And there's no one lower than someone going to prison, and we yeah. treat them. It's like so bad. So it's it's a conversation we need to keep on having. Well, yeah. in, in a, you know what? I've been watching a lot of Angela Davis videos. Very nice. Um, she is. She's just, great. Um, and she uh, she made a good point. She said, if you want to look at the possibility for a new world, just look at the continuing push for transgender rights. Yeah. The idea that that community mm-hmm. has broken past the binary that existed mm-hmm. for so long in human society that now that they are being recognized as people uh that that the the idea of breaking a binary so ingrained mm-hmm. in our, our culture there are worlds possible where prison abolition is real Absolutely. where police yeah. abolition is real it's just we are now kind of walking through that portal and we'll see where we go. Absolutely. But, uh, and of but, course, rationally and reasonably done, all of those things can, uh, all of yeah. those things can exist. And when it comes, to, I am happy you pointed out transgender rights by our culture standards, because many cultures have had transgender people in their yeah. culture and it's yeah. not, mm-hmm. it's just, it is a cultural thing. Yes. This is fine. People are allowed to do what they want. And the, the, people, o- the now, Overton window for our, our society is quickly being pushed, yes. and, and that's great. And we can have a conversation about athletics and what does that mean? Should someone who was transgender uh, that trans- transitioned as a senior, uh, formerly a male, a junior in high school, now should he be running uh, you know, against women on the track? We can have these conversations. I think it— Because this is, this is, you know, this is like where the right is just like, they're trying— That's their favorite like, That's topic. their favorite yeah. thing, and I'm like, okay, we can But ultimately that takes a backseat to the idea, is this, per- is this a person? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We, have to, we, we have to get to Who acknowledging about- humanhood, yeah. and then we can address these issues. But right now— we're, we're in a situation where they're second-class citizens, and that's just not, it ain't right. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 languages language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Packages by Expedia. You were made to be rechargeable. We were made to package flights, hotels, and hammocks for less. Expedia. Made to travel. All right. Well, speaking of not right, there's a new book out. Yes. Oh, my God. The Mighty Mustachio. This man is a psychopath. John Bolton. (laughs) He has a new book. It's called The Room Where It Happened. 
All right. You got a $3 million payday. John Bolton, the big the big news that he's breaking is basically what we all know. The reason Donald Trump was impeached with Ukraine was because he was like, yo, get some dirt on my opponent and I'm going to help you out. Going to give you some cash, going to get you some military goods. He did the exact same shakedown with the Chinese, with Xi Jinping. Nothing really new here other than the fact that we know for, for a fact now that John Bolton didn't say shit. When this was happening exactly. in real time mm-hmm. in front of him, he was busy ri- wiping the, the 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 crumbs out of his stash. John Bolton is a man who I understand that now he does not like Donald Trump, but this is one of those irony cases, much like Ann Coulter. They don't like him because he's not crazy enough. Yeah. And Donald Trump's batshit. So he doesn't like him because he hasn't gone to war. And Coulter doesn't like him because he hasn't deported everyone. So just because these people don't, and I just want to remind people of this, and George W. Bush, he's a war criminal. Just because those people don't like Trump doesn't mean that they're good. No, absolutely. So John Bolton is a schmuck, and he wants a payday, and he had a chance to be like, yo, Donald, that's completely immoral, unethical, unethical, and a complete violation of trust, of the American people's trust. You're supposed to be acting on behalf of the people, not your freaking little political gain and your business interests. So John Bolton didn't say anything, yeah. and now he got a payday to write a book. He seems absolutely comfortable with the idea that everyone despises him, which I had to admire a little bit. I uh, mean, well, you know, he, his whole thing in the book is like... Yeah, Trump at the last minute decided not to uh, bomb Iran like into a, a crater. Like, well, what a he pussy! Says, he refers to people who like China, and this is his word. So don't don't come at me. He calls them panda huggers. <laughs> wow, oh, that is in, it's literally in the book. What he the calls, hell? So he calls he calls people who are pro China. I'm like, okay. He used to be on a show that I produced called Red Eye, and it was on three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And John Bolton was always on there, and he was like. He it was really bizarre because he he is like he's mildly charismatic in a very strange way. And then and then you start talking about policy. And this man was in charge. He was in the U.N. with the Bush administration and he wants to just do away with it. He wants to just completely revert to total isolationism, which I think is one of the areas that he and Trump get along. Right. Um, Specifically, I mean, I think he's maybe a little bit more free market than Trump, but he loves the idea of nationalism, isolationism, um, doing, getting out of like, he's very imperialist, right? He's very imperialist. imperialist. He was pro Donald Trump doing away with, um, with the arms deal. We just got out of another arms deal. Basically the next president and the president after that, is going to be dealing with another arms race. Yeah. Because that's what happens when you continually get out of deals, whether it be the Iran deal, which sure could have been better, but it was what it was, and I think it was better than not. Yeah. Um Bolton is like he's, a he's like an American supremacist. He like he yes. he he's yeah. he's so comfortable and so but the uh, problem, hungry for the idea to, that America will be the police slash bully of the world. But the problem with that is I I am an American I believe you know I'm America is a great country. It can be better and it has to be better. But the problem with being like an American supremacist, as you put it, is that what they're doing is actually bad for the country. Yeah, absolutely. Like when you pull yourself out of the world, you're seeding power. You're creating a power vacuum. You look at what's happening in Syria. The Russians are running roughshod. Uh, you know, the um, he's trying to you know, he's trying to recreate the old Soviet Union. And we basically just gave him a solid ass portion of it. And now that I'm against us pulling out of Syria, but when you leave, but that's just an example. And we're talking now, not in the war side, but more in the peace side. When you vacate 
when you vacate all of these arms treaties, when you get rid of you want when you want to pull out of the WHO, when you want this country to no longer be funding, you know, ma- multinational sort of um, agreements. Who someone else is just going to take over? Yeah. Well, it's most that, likely going to be the Chinese. We saw that with the Kurds, right? When yes. we when we pulled out support of the Kurds, Russia just swept in. On, uh, Russia, well, Turkey backed by Russia, Erdogan backed by Russia, completely swept in and claimed power over that area. The Kurds were our ally, and they're a good group of people, and we completely pulled support. And it's just like at at, at some point you have to own up to the fact that like you, you have to fulfill what you said you were going to do, right? Yeah. So even if you're anti-interventionist, and I think that pretty much everyone in this room is, there are certain things where it's like you can't just yank yourself out of certain situations and expect that to like fall, the chips fall where they may in a good in a good way. Right. And I'm just, sorry, I'm just smiling serenely thinking about this screenshot that I see from time to time on Twitter of John Bolton on the set of Red Eye sitting right next to Nick Mullen from Cumtown. Sure. Do you remember this? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember this? No. <laughs> it really puts things in per- into yeah. perspective. I did a panel with him a few times. Not Mullen, but Bolton. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's hung out with some of the greater podcasters <laughs> out there. I know. It's just such a funny... I think no, Nick Mullen's really, hilarious. But it it's just really funny is. to see John Bolton very like bemused just sitting right next to this guy who has I, a podcast called Cumtown. It really is insane, right? And KT McFarland, who is uh, you know high in this security world these people you once you meet them you're just like you're the ones you're in the, charge yeah. like, <laughs> wow this is what gave me hope this is like i can do whatever the hell i want this moron's in charge yeah this weird ass dude who wasn't even allowed in the trump administration because of his facial hair at first but to your point, like uh, he had he had a chance to divulge all this stuff yes. that he had in the book. I mean, he he withheld this for the cash grab, and I guess to like really sh- to really shit on well, Trump and he personally. Was subpoenaed in the in, uh, in the impeachment investigation, and well, he refused to testify. He, he wasn't subpoenaed. Is the thing wasn't he, he was not? Yeah, he got tr- his lawyer. His lawyer showed up, and they fought it. Oh, they he right. was okay. subpoenaed. But well, in he the book, he he says you should have. If he doesn't say you should have subpoenaed me, he says you should have subpoenaed me harder. Uh, because right. he said, "I if kinky." You, yeah, if you no. <laughs> subpoena me harder. Are you if, gaping, Mister Bolton? If you had just tugged on those bristles a little bit harder, baby, I would have <laughs> oh, gushed for you. <laughs> but no, he apparently was like, "You should have tried harder," because I had a lot of juicy stuff, and now you have to buy it for twenty nine ninety nine in a hardback cover. Well, yeah, also, this... I mean, there's also a different standard, right? Because if you go, if you go before the committee and you are testifying, you are risking perjury. Whereas right. if you're writing a book, you're risking libel. The the standards are a lot different, right. right? Your personal risk is a lot different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is just a quote from the New York Times article about the book. It says, the book is bloated with self-importance, even even though what it mostly recounts is Bolton not being able to accomplish very much. <laughs> it toggles between two discordant registers, exceedingly tedious and slightly unhinged. Nice. You know, critics get a bad that, name. I mean, that's a good, I think that's a great, yeah. I, I would read it. Yeah. Slightly unhinged, but yet tedious. Yeah, I'd that's like the that. same review as Guy Fieri's Times Square restaurant. Oh, no. But <laughs> Town, baby. I would they, rather have Guy Fieri oh, yeah, be a national absolutely. security advisor than oh. John Bolton. John Guy Bol- Fieri should do everything he <laughs> wants. A John Bolton-themed restaurant? No, thank you. No, I don't definitely. want to find little, little bristly uh, razor shavings in my queso. And your meatloaf. Let's be real. It's not going to be anything interesting. He's not so elegant to have a Mexican-themed restaurant. The Room Where It Happened, John Bolton's new book, I would tell you my personal advice is don't buy it. Don't give this guy any money. It doesn't matter. Also, $29.95 
pretty high price for go this fuck book, I'm going to say. Go fuck yourself. That's, and you know he didn't write this damn thing anyway. It's all ghostwriter. It's probably Michael Malice or somebody <laughs> like that. Some goddamn whatever. Um, just another reminder that the Trump administration, everyone that falls away, I understand politics or politics and people are going to be negative, but every single book yes. has been negative. Obama had some negative press, without a doubt. Uh, some people who worked at the administration who perhaps didn't agree with everything he did. But not everyone who worked for him when they got yeah. out were like, that was a waking nightmare and we need to be scared as a people. Well, I was, like, there's one theme that's con- that there's one consensus yeah. through every through every Trump book or every Trump affiliated personnel at one point. It is always negative. Yeah, I I, uh, I think it was Brian Lehrer I was listening to and he made the point like they're exciting. There, you're an exciting millennial. Yes, I am. Uh, there will there will be an entire genre of political writing based on the idea of I was in the I was in the orbit of the administration and you wouldn't believe the things I stopped Trump from doing that he could have destroyed the country if I had let him go any further. Yeah. So there's going to yeah. be so many saviors, so many like fictional saviors. Is, like, this they haven't really done door. that much. Yeah. And do you, do you, I mean, this is a throwback, but do you remember Omarosa? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, Holy but, hell. Wait, was she like in the administration or am she I? She was. She was in the administration and she. She was like the go-to black gal. <laughs> she was. Yeah, unfortunately. Wasn't she in charge she of like kind of race relations out. or something? I don't think she was like quote unquote in charge of race relations, but like she was basically who they, yeah, they, she, she was put in front of a camera. She went, she willingly went in front of a camera and would talk down anytime that Trump was called a racist unfortunately that's just kind of how they how they played that but i don't know if you guys remember but right after she, after she left the administration she went on a reality show do you that's, remember that yes. clip she was on big brother immediately and then yes. like she's like do you remember i think they're like sitting in a hot tub or something oh and God. the guys like what what was really going on in the trump administration in her face she was like ah <laughs> uh, just like the, she was like i don't know like the, just well, she was completely scarred by her I by remember, her time there. I remember talking about that and it was such a sad day for America. I'd go to the White House from the White House to the Big Brother house, from the apprentice to the White House, like it is so bad. We have everything so wrong in this country. And I think part of it is because of because of new media, people have they have lost sight of important and not important. And like Big Brother is not important. It is not real. The White House is real and very important. Like we have because you scroll through and your thumb will go through something very significant and then something extremely not significant. And I feel like they're merging in our mind like, yeah, The Apprentice. It's just like a foreign policy meeting. And it's like, no, it is not. We have got to get back to reason. I now see I now view the White House in the same. It's like flipping through the channel, seeing Flavor of Love and then the White House and then whatever. Exactly. Bret Hart's reality show was. I forget the name of. Oh, you're talking Bret Michaels. Brett Michaels, not Brett Hart. He's a pro wrestler. Am I, who's oh Brett Michaels? Okay, from yes. Poison. Yes. Oh yes, 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 yes. Of course. Well, they both had VH1 uh, reality dating shows, right? Flav, yes, of Flav, course. Flav and Brett Michaels. Yes, indeed. As a hunk, he's a heartthrob. Everyone loves Brett Michaels. I have no idea who you're talking about. The guy from Poison. What was the no. name of that show, though? Not ringing about. Oh, I don't remember. I'm not a pedophile. I can't. <laughs> I can't think of all that. Um, anyway. So check out, uh, well, don't check out John Bolton's new book, but read read it, or read read about it, and uh, I think there are some interesting get things in there. Get an illegal copy somehow. Get, yes, and That's remember it. that all of these people who bloviate and who pretend to be tough didn't stand up to Donald Trump in real time. Instead, he got paid three million bucks to write a book about how he failed. Something's wrong with that. But lastly, 
Let's talk about something that is not a bad piece of writing. Brooke, you got a new article out. It is called Gathering Acorns in Quarantine. This article has been got a great response, as all of your articles do. Aww. But can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, the motivation for writing this? Obviously, we're all kind of, we're going through the ringer here with quarantine as it continues. And um, Yeah, I think, so first of all, I got a, an email from a good friend of mine who is an editor at Washington Examiner, and he sent me an email that was like, judging by your tweets, I think you have a column in you, which is never good because you should <laughs> never judge me by my tweets, first of all. I have no idea what I send. Sometimes I'm not even really aware of it going out. I'll look back 10 hours ago and be like, I don't remember sending that. You're very so presidential. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, I'm just shooting it out 100% of the time. Um, and I was like, oh no, what tweets are you referencing? Like, what do you think that I'm <laughs> going through right now? Uh, but it, it turned out to be effort. I started writing about um, the fact that it seems like a lot of people who I know and love were kind of leaning on self-resilient hobbies, yeah, uh, baking and cooking. And some 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 friends I had, like I referenced this in the article, but I have um, a friend Kate who Ben knows. Yes, um, her and her husband started growing tomatoes in the window of their twenty fourth floor apartment it's amazing. in Harlem, and they're blooming now and they're really they're really pretty um but we i had friends who started to learn how to like I, uh, Mackenzie, our good friends was so was sewing in quarantine i had friends who were making candles and it just seemed like people were kind of starting to go like full urban homesteader in mm -hmm. quarantine yeah absolutely and i was kind of thinking of the like what what why do we do that why is that our first inclination and it's i think it's because like when you start to watch society crumble when you start to watch like all the institutions that you thought that you could rely on during something like a pandemic right. which who even thought that that would be happening right now and at all it's insane when you start to watch those fail your first thought is like okay um do i need to get a gun do i need to move yeah. to a commune in vermont like do i need to start learning how to grow my own food like do i like you just kind of start calculating like what survival skills do i have right where i could depend on myself and 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 protect myself and those around me and those i love and and provide for us during quarantine so i started writing about that a little bit because me and my roommate sarah who is again a, a mutual friend of ours sarah um, lyons she's sarah been on the show lyons, before yes. lovely human being adore her um but we started uh, pickling and making sauerkraut, like making preserved foods, and uh, we like bolted up on our like um, first aid kit and stuff like that, right. just because there's something so comforting about being able to protect yourself and provide for yourself right. in t times like that. Yeah, that was the base of the of the piece. Well, and I think also, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when we see total lack of leadership, it does make you, it forces you to be more self reliant, yeah. right? Absolutely. I think that and the thing is, like, we, we look at our government's response to this pandemic and on, on a, both a local level, I mean, Cuomo and de Blasio, just in New York, to use as an example, um, didn't close schools for until like a week after most other states had closed well, schools. Cuomo, down. Cuomo put everyone that was sick initially into uh, elderly homes. Yeah, it's like the worst possible place. And that's he, what annoys me so much where people are like he's handling it great. I'm like, he gives press conferences where he's kind of handsome, I guess. But he gave, he sent them to places where the most vulnerable people live. He prevented nursing homes from turning away uh, residents who had tested positive for quarantine, basically causing the spread of COVID in those nursing homes. Yep. And yeah, he also de Blasio in March, in March, was out telling New Yorkers, 
this isn't going to affect your life. Like in early March, he was like, just keep going out, keep doing, keep living your life. Like, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. And then like 13 days in, he, we were shutting down the city and state. So it's just, I think people look at that and it's like, if you have leaned on the idea that the government's going to handle it, you know, the lo- local and federal government, they're going to take care of it. It's going to be fine. Like there's going to be healthcare. There's going to, like, they're going to, like, if all that's crumbling and you're like, wow, no one in power is handling this well, right? You're gonna, you're, you're, your survival instinct's gonna kick in it has at some to. point. Yeah, yeah. You gotta get to pickling. Gotta get to pickling. So read that article. Gathering acorns in quarantine. Of course, a reference to one of your favorite people in the world, Jack White. I yeah, it's a it's a white stripe song that because I also talk about anxiety and how that informed my my view of the pandemic and I think a lot of people have anxiety especially right now and it's a you know a big moment for Absolutely. mental health um, and figuring that out so little acorns is the song and that's the reference in the Absolutely. headline so check out that article again gathering acorns in quarantine Brooke A. Rogers well thank you so much for coming on this show Brooke thank you everyone loves to hear from you all the time and thank you for having ex- me you have exceedingly persuasive this yes. is a doc- this is a podcast that you do yeah I have a podcast a political podcast with my good friend Mackenzie Brennan who is a Supreme Court lawyer um, we talk about politics and culture and all of that uh, for I talk about the kind of the cultural side and she talks about the legal side uh, exceedingly persuasive it's XX exceedingly persuasive um, and then you can check me out on Instagram at Brooke Angeline and on Twitter at BKE Rogers. And I usually uh, link my my writing there. So, yes. All right. Travis, anything else? You good? Yeah. I, I just uh, I just noticed something really stupid is okay. um, the <laughs> CARES Act. All that um, the PPP, the Paycheck yeah, yeah. Protection stuff. That had like a question, like they had a, the party goes to a question mark as far as like when those uh, benefits were allowed to be pulled out as loans. Uh They just uh, announced two days ago that uh, June 30th is the last day you're allowed to pull out the remaining $150 billion in the Paycheck Protection Program. If you do not get that money, they keep that money. And what? that is the end of our Ugh. age. Well, there you go, folks. June 30th. As we go into... Which sex workers have never been able to tap into, by the way. So they're doubly uh, yes, fucked. exactly. So, I mean, yeah. you have... I mean, there's so many cases of, you know, your Shake Shacks that have pulled out millions of dollars surreptitiously. But that money is going to go away if you do not pull it out. So start a business, uh, be affected by the coronavirus, and get that money because get that they money. are going to just let it be absorbed back into it's all the gonna body going, politic. It's going to be... Going to Nestle or something like that. Yes, the get, Kennedy Center. We're gonna throw a couple more, more million money at the they, Kennedy yeah, Center. Absolutely. Well, they need to be entertained. These wealthy and people. they drop this. It's just it's insane. They drop this expiration date two weeks before the expiration date. That's in, that really is insane. <laughs> that is so nefarious. Um, thank you for that. Yep. So hopefully, uh, no one is dying in Tulsa right now. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, um from Fox News. She's now the the press secretary. She says no masks for me, and yep. so no masks. Well, and also for anyone, uh, and uh, we'll say they've enforced a, an eight p.m. curfew in Tulsa, but only for protesters. Uh, if you wear are wearing a Trump hat, this has actually been uh, insinuated. If you are wearing Trump gear and are you are support of the convention you will not be uh, you will not be harassed by police but uh as a as i just saw in a video posted on twitter if you are wearing black lives matter gear uh you will be arrested hey all right you'll be targeted by the police for your political views isn't that anti-american what a 
can't give this man four more years. That's all I'm saying because uh, the fascism is in it is in its Kicking into infancy high gear. right now. But you got to check. This out. is baby fascism, yeah. so you can imagine when this thing becomes. Uh, when it gets to its terrible twos, it's toddler time, and then God knows but please, it's puberty. Please, please check out the chips at El Guapo's on East First Street yep. in Tulsa. Okay, I have a follow-up question. Is that a pun off El Trapo? No, no, no. El, <laughs> it means the handsome. Yeah, it's from oh. Three Amigos. Three Amigos. The handsome It's a guy. comedy that's a little bit above somebody's before never, your time. Somebody's never been called a handsome guy before. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I have never been called a handsome guy before, unfortunately. Well, you are a beautiful man, a beautiful woman. And a handsome guy you are, Travis. Thank you. And uh, yes, thank you all so much for listening. We shall return next week. Hope you're doing as well as you possibly can out there. Stay safe. Light some fireworks off outside of Travis's apartment. Make him really go crazy. You're gonna give me. A, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a crazed, <laughs> rabid dog by the end. I of love this. it. It'll be good for the show. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.